What does it mean to be locally owned and operated? For Cenex, it means everything. It means that we know if you take your coffee to go or if you like to stay a while. It means we've helped Little Leagues get jerseys and local festivals get funding. It means we know what our communities need. So you'll always leave Cenex with a full tank, full of snacks, or full of smiles. Or all of the above. And that means the world to us. Cenex. Powered locally. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. Changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Wednesday, November 4th, and that's, of course, right now at the time of the recording, and we're shaking up things a little bit this week, and instead of our game week show right now, uh, we want to take a step back and reflect on the first half of the season and project uh, what's going to happen in the final eight games. I'm Eros Woldewitt. Joined with me is my co-host, Nicholas Moriano. The two of us, we're going to break out the red pens today, and we'll be handing out our mid-season report cards for the 5-3 and three Chicago Bears. Nick, I hope you're having a good week. Are, are you ready to kind of take a look at this team position by position and hand out some grades? I think I'm ready because we know how the se- even though the record reflects a better season than what probably our red pens are going to indicate, I think I'm ready. What about you? Hanging in there. Uh, I think I'm ready too. I uh, went through this, and it's one of those fine lines, Nick, like you said, uh, with the record that they have. Are you being too critical or are you not being critical enough? Is the kind of debate I had with myself almost at every single position, and I fluctuated my grades with my I, what I did just for – I don't know. We can talk about how we went through it real quick. I gave my initial grade without any notes, uh, just my general gut reaction. And then I kind of looked at where did the, every position where we stand in the league, looking at a game by game basis and kind of fluctuated kind of my grades from there. Uh, So I was surprised how much I actually did uh, bump up some down, move some up myself as I kind of went through my process. I don't know if you had a similar kind of workflow or anything like that, but uh, yeah, I think I'm ready is the best way to put it. Yeah, I guess we'll find out as we kind of go through the show. But, yes, I did have a similar process just seeing initially what it was and then kind of comparing certain positions to others within the league. But, yeah, I guess we'll just have to see where this goes. All right. Well, we're going to start with the Chicago Bears offense here. Um, And I felt like there's a lot of red ink that's just getting spewed all over here. And let's begin uh, under center. Usually we do this when it comes to how we break down shows in the offseason. So it just makes a lot of sense to kind of stick with this one. Nick, are you below? I'll put the threshold a little bit higher. Are you below a C plus? I feel like that's very generous to kind of ask that question. I am below a C plus with um, how. Yeah, yes, I am. I will okay. answer it straightforward with you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, we need some of that, right? We need some straightforward answers nowadays. So for me, uh, I'll rip it off like a Band-Aid. I gave them a D uh, for my grade. I'll talk about why in a minute. But, Nick, uh, as I kind of start to show off, looking at the Bears quarterbacks, which is interesting still, you know, quarterbacks, uh, giving them a D this season, where do you stand? 
Yeah, it's a, a D minus for me. Um, just seeing, again, we were in, in the same ballpark. Um, both quarterbacks have underperformed in Matt Nagy's offense, and I'm sure we'll get more into the details of it. But I think that's, I don't think that position has really elevated this team. If anything, it's held them back. And there are a couple of games where you see fourth quarter wise, where yes, Nick Foles let a comeback against the Falcons, Mitch Trubisky against the Lions week one. But really, other than that, well, these quarterbacks, I wouldn't say have really helped the team it's more so what do they do to almost lose games at times but i'm sure we'll get into it i I mean we have some plenty of offense to talk about it's unfortunately it's the side of the ball that no position unit is really helping the other positional unit and i think that is probably one of the the bigger problems that i kind of came to one of the conclusions i came to throughout this process but nick you mentioned it they're not elevating this team and when you're looking at the bears just from a numbers perspective from quarterbacks they're not even at league average uh the quarterbacks are near the bottom of the nfl and passer rating this year trubisky he's 28th Foles is uh, actually 30th of qualified qbs at 80.2 both of them they're 30th or lower in yards per attempt which is an issue we've seen for two seasons now not pushing the ball downfield and Foles and trubisky if you combine them nick uh, they account for 10 interceptions, which would be tied uh, for the second most in the NFL from one quarterback if we could combine them into one singular person. And then we can talk about you know specific games, specific drives and throws. And just- Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night for a limited time save up to five hundred dollars on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic get full offer details at Tempur-Pedic.com decisions that really uh kind of tilted some of these losses in well not in our favor but towards uh, that outcome and things like that but I think the quickest and easiest way to kind of sum up the quarterbacks is something you already said was just the fact that they're not taking this team and making them better. There are players that have only played a handful of games so far in their young careers, like a, a Joe Burrow when you watch them play the Titans this week, where you can tell this is a quarterback that can elevate his team around him. And unfortunately uh, for the Bears, and I know they have a lot of other issues on offense, we're not seeing this out of the unit. And unfortunately, they did tell us in training camp that both players kind of look the same. And I think the sample size is large enough to kind of come to that assessment as well here on our show that no matter who's under center, sure, there are some leadership aspects that Foles may have a little bit you know, better than Trubisky, and he may make technically better decisions more times than not or have slightly better ball placement. But at the end of the day, for some reason, we can't get any of the results. So for me, D, and I'm done. Yeah, and I think, again, it's a fair grade. I gave him a D-. minus. I just thought maybe with Nick Foles being – in this offense for when he he went into the game against the Falcons and moving on, we're like, maybe this could be the spark. And I think that's what you said, Will, but he never provided that spark. And it's because he made a lot of the same mistakes that Trubisky was making in terms of those those what you those interceptions where you're just asking yourself, what is he thinking? Why is he throwing that ball into maybe double coverage or just a dumb decision in general? Missing some throws as well. And even though he knows Matt Nagy's offense, it really doesn't look like it. The, the one play that people will always pinpoint, pin to is the what second and 10 play left uh, sideline throw to David Montgomery where Nick Foles is adjusting the play. It's uh, to you know lead the Bears down to 
potentially get a scoring drive against the Buccaneers on that primetime game. That's the one play that everyone looks to with what Nick Foles could bring. But other than that, it really hasn't been um, that impactful with him as quarterback. And we talked about it. He didn't there, that spark never lasted. It was that third quarter, that fourth quarter, and the third week against the Falcons, and that was really it. So that's why um, the grade is what it is at this point. And I don't know if it gets much better. The, the quarterbacks are who they are. And we, we talked about that in, in training camp. It was talked about it, that they were the same. They looked to almost be pretty similar here. And I, I think I want to bring this up, Will, with, and I found this interesting statistic that Trubisky and Foles are ranked number one and number three, Trubisky being one, Foles being number three in what's aggressiveness in next-gen stats. And basically it tracks the amount of passing attempts that a quarterback throws into tight coverage. And this tight coverage is designated as a within one yard or less of a receiver a defender's at. So I was looking at why is it that both these quarterbacks are ranked number one and number three in a statistic where Patrick Mahomes is ranked number 37 out of 38 quarterbacks. Russell Wilson is ranked 34 out of 38 quarterbacks, the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. It's like, is this Nagy doing this to making the offense too complex for them? Is this the quarterbacks just making bad throws to where, or being late on reads, or is it the wide receivers not creating separations? Probably all those things combined, honestly, but there's a lot of factors as to why these quarterbacks have just not performed the way that Bears fans probably would have liked to see come 2020. That's a great stat. Um, I think that's telling uh, of something I mentioned, which is no one's helping each other on this offense whatsoever. Uh, You talked about, is it the coaching? Is it the receivers? You can throw in tight ends there as well. And you didn't even mention, you know, offensive line, which they have a, a hand to play in here as well. And we'll, we'll rip them apart here in just a, a little bit. But all right, Nick, uh, quarterbacks uh, need to see a lot of improvement across the board. Um, I know that we'll talk about game stuff soon, but uh, Trubisky and that shoulder injury that he sustained uh, against the Saints to his right shoulder, uh, that's not good news. Uh, you're looking, you're one play away possibly from a Tyler Bray led offense i know they're bringing in some quarterbacks for tryouts but uh as the situation stands that looks like it could be the case here against tennessee um, on sunday again the next show we'll talk more about the game upcoming we're looking more at the eight games that we've had so far so let's go ahead and move in to running back i'm just going to start off i gave it a c plus for running back uh david montgomery he's been the bell cow for us this year and the bulk of the grade does go to him but not all of it of course uh the offensive line we mentioned they're not helping matters uh to me here's a telling stat David Montgomery, he's 10th in the NFL in rushing attempts. 139 of 442 rushing yards is before contact for him. He only averages 1.2 yards before he's contacted, which ranks 51st in the NFL. And I know, Nick, on the opposite end of the spectrum, where I think Montgomery is kind of showing his worth, is what he's able to do after the contact. Because, again, he is 10th in the NFL in rushing attempts, I believe he is, gee, uh, almost like, what, 13th in the NFL or so in terms of rushing yards so far. Uh, But still, everything's happening pretty much after contact. He's not getting help whatsoever up front. Again, 51st in the NFL with only 1.2 of his yards becoming before contact. What are some of the stats that he's doing after contact that are uh, indicative of what kind of season he's at least attempting to have here? Yeah, so for me, just to give the grade, I gave the running backs and – more so David Montgomery a B minus. Um, 
and he leads the league right now, Will, with 18 broken tackles, which is obviously something that he's always been able to do since his time at Iowa State. And he's fifth in the NFL in yards after contact with 303. And again, this is a, a lot of what he has to deal with is what's happening up front with this Bears offensive line, just allowing a lot of defenders to get into the backfield. And these one-yard gains are are tough to get from Montgomery, but he's able to at least get one yard. Um, so I think the thing is with, with this offensive line, it was doing good things in the first two weeks. And ever since that, everything has gone down with this offense. And really it, was, it wasn't even that good in the first two weeks. Let's be completely honest. But I like that what we saw in, in the game against the Saints, just how they kind of utilized him to get that, what the big run up the, to the left side it was a little bit of motion from Patterson to kind of draw the defense to the right side and if you notice well like David Montgomery's in a three-point stance which is not and he's off ta- off the the quarterback's right side which is not something that you typically see from the Bears or really in offenses but it worked to perfection because the blocking was just good enough to where David Montgomery was able to fit through the hole so I like seeing those kind of things. And even the third and eight run that he had, which we weren't expecting that he would get, he's just able to put a stiff arm on a guy, get to the outside edge, and have enough speed to convert for a first down, which um, that's always been a thing with David Montgomery. He doesn't have that breakaway speed, but on that specific play against the Saints, he did. And I liked seeing those kind of aspects from him. We're always going to continue to see him fight for every additional yard. And you can see that in the stats. The 18 broken tackles and fifth most yards after contact currently in the NFL and I think he can continue to do that but man if he just had I wouldn't I'm not going to say decent I'm not even going to say normal I'm going to say not bottom five offensive line play I think the numbers would be a little bit better but it's hard to say if that's going to even happen given all the injuries now and even COVID now affecting some of the offensive line for this Bears team well the fact that there are 50 other players in the NFL qualified rushers that are getting more yards before contact than our starting running back who has again a high volume of touches that's a huge red flag uh, for this bears offense and to kind of put it those into perspective only three of the 12 rushers ahead of him have less attempts than david montgomery only three Uh, so he is still getting good yards per attempt at least statistically speaking uh he's so he's performing as expected despite really having to do more work than any of the running backs uh, that are above him because they're getting better blocking. Montgomery, he is the only running back in the top 20 in the NFL uh, in terms of yards this season that is averaging less than 1.7 yards before contact. It's David Montgomery at 1.2. I didn't jot down the name. Someone else is at 1.7, and then everyone else is like 2.4 and above, getting double the yards before they're even contacted. So he's having to work much harder uh, than anyone else, and yet he's still producing. Uh, So I think that is really a testament to the kind of football player he can be, running back he can be, if he does get just some, like you said, not bottom five blocking. Uh, the reason why, though, for me, this drops to like a C plus and it's not higher is not David Montgomery. It's Cordero Patterson. He's had some good games, but he's not nearly the tackle breaker that he needs to be to be productive behind this offensive line. He only has two broken tackles on his 26 attempts. He's averaging less than three yards per carry. And we are seeing more of Patterson this year compared to a year ago. Last year, he ran the ball only nine times, uh, but he already has 28 less rushing yards than he did uh, all of last season on less touches. So he's already underperforming last year, despite touching the ball more already this season. And of course, uh, without Tariq Cohen, uh, that's putting more of a burden on him. But you would think the Bears would 
I don't know. You have Artavis Pierce. You have someone that has a little bit more of a natural running back ability in the next eight games that maybe you give him a look as a rotational kind of guy because Patterson, I think it's just too much understood when he's going to get the ball, how he's going to get the ball, and he's not really, unless he gets the ball in space. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Along the perimeter, he's not going to get you the type of production that really we need, and I think the Bears are lacking there. So that's kind of where I get to the C+. Anything else on the running backs, Nick? No, just one last thing. I, I have the stats prior to the Saints matchup. Like the Bears' offensive, um, just their rushing statistics were nearly identical to what they were in 2019 through the first seven games. This was when I wrote this article, but it was 163 attempts in 2019 to 157. But the yards, 582 in 2019 to 589 this season through seven weeks. And the yards per carry, 3.6 in 2019 to 3.8 in 2020. And it, it was very identical. So this offensive, this rushing attack hasn't gotten better. It's, if anything, it's just stayed the same, which obviously doesn't work. And, again, it goes back to, you know, coaching and things of that nature. And not even personnel. It obviously plays a factor into it. But this rushing attack has looked this way for a while now. Moving on to wide receiver, what grade did you give this unit and why? Yeah, this one was an, an interesting group. Um, obviously, we have Allen Robinson and the the rise of Darnell Mooney, but Anthony Miller and, you know, even if you factored in Ted Ginn before he was released, like what he was brought here for, Javon Wims, those kind of guys bounced out. So I gave this group because I think looking offensively, this is now the strength, definitely the strength of this offense. I gave it a solid B, Will. Um, I think just seeing that, Allen Robinson's still producing. He's, I believe, one of three receivers right now with at least 50 receptions, 600 receiving yards, and three touchdowns. The other two receivers are DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs. Darnell Mooney has just been a huge addition for this Bears offense, especially since he is, what, I think the second most targeted receiver behind Allen Robinson. That's obviously over a third-year player in Anthony Miller. But Anthony Miller, for me... um, like I could, I easily could have given this a C plus, but I think, like with him, we always see these spurts. Well, so I think that's what I'm hoping to see that we're going to see a spurt. But throughout the first, first seven week, first eight weeks, he hasn't been the player that anybody was anticipating. But I still gave him a B because this is the strength. They can create separation, and if these quarterbacks have any luck at throwing the football, I do like my chances. At either one of those guys, I really do. Anthony Miller's had his drops, but I do like what Allen um, uh, Robinson, Darnell Mooney, and we'll see what Anthony Miller can potentially do for the last eight games. Okay. For me, I gave him a C. I don't know if this is me feeling a little bit overly critical. I believe uh, everything you said, that the receiving group is the strength. I just don't know if they're maximizing uh, their potential. Uh, okay, we know they're not maximizing their potential, but how much is it? Uh, that versus a talent issue. I know A-Rob, he's not my concern here whatsoever. He's a top 10 receiver all across the board. Eighth in catches, sixth in yards, 10th in uh, first downs gained. Also 10th in the NFL of avoiding tackles after the catch. Uh, so he's he's a very good wide receiver. Uh, what kind of dinged him 
at least for me, in the first eight games, because we're only looking at the first eight, not what's happening in the future, um, were all those 50-50 balls that kind of went the opposite way early on this season. We haven't seen um, as many of those here in uh, the last few games, but early on this season, uh, again, some of those are bad luck, bad bounces, and it's going to happen. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the four interceptions, I think that's uh, we've thrown, gone his way, does uh, rank near the top of the NFL for wide receivers. Uh, and also, I don't think Nick Foles trusts that ball anymore. I haven't seen that kind of jump ball to Allen Robinson in a while, and that's something that we need in this offense, I think, because he can go up and get it. I don't think I need to rehash Mooney. You said it. Uh, he's a pleasant surprise. He's uh, producing uh, very well. Uh, Anthony Miller, he's the letdown, as we know. I know you can't take PFF grades, Nick, uh, with you know all the stock in the world, and you have to kind of look at them for what they are, but the fact that he is 102nd out of 112 qualified receivers is alarming. And you mentioned the drops issue. He uh, is 13th in the NFL in drops at the wideout position. Uh, another reason I'm dinging this one is Ted again, Jr. I know he's gone, but he was here for the first eight. Uh, Javon Wims, I'm not talking about his uh, fighting technique, but also more about <laughs> uh, the lack of production we've gotten out of him. And they can't even activate Riley Ridley on the game day. The Bears kept six receivers on this roster. They're getting production out of two, two and a half on any given Sunday. So uh, the lack of ability to actually get something out of this group, which I thought was a deeper group than we're seeing, uh, is why I'm going to give it a C so far. All right, Nick, moving on to tight end. What grade did you give this unit? Because I think there are some reasons for optimism. There are reasons for skepticism, and there's reasons for disappointment. Yeah, so the whole group, and really I just look at Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham and you have to throw Demetrius Harris in there because he does have some statistics on the season which he probably shouldn't um I think it's been really disappointing outside of Jimmy Graham's four red zone touchdowns that group has severely severely underperformed Will and look just looking the last time Jimmy Graham caught a touchdown was in Tampa Bay that was three weeks ago now uh going back so it's been some time where we've actually seen some production out of him and obviously Cole Komet against Carolina had a touchdown but I'm giving this easily a D minus um I think because the focal point or you know this this offseason revamping the position making this more wanting to make this more of a focal point it hasn't showed up through the first eight weeks let's be completely honest if it hasn't been in the red zone with Jimmy Graham you're not really moving down the field by throwing to the tight ends. I know that Jimmy Graham is second in targets behind Allen Robinson on this team, and I don't know if that should be the trend in the second half of the season, but they just haven't been, um, I don't want to say game changers because I think that's too much, but they just haven't been um, con- as contri- as big of contributors as I would have liked to see, given all the hype that was surrounding them. Obviously, Cole Komet being the Bears' first pick for this draft and things of that nature, we knew it would be a slow start to him for him but they haven't contributed like I would have liked to see over the middle on seam routes what this Andy Reid's offense has been able to do Doug Peterson's offense has been able to do with tight ends not Matt Nagy's offense we don't really even know what kind of offense he runs here in Chicago but I think a D minus I look I like the, the the touchdowns that the Bears have five and they only had two last season which is obviously more but we need to see more out of this this unit especially in terms of just extending drives, taking advantage of those matchups with smaller linebackers. We haven't seen that really. It's been most of the the best things have happened with Jimmy Graham in the red zone. And like I said, his last touchdown was at Tampa Bay, and then he had two against Atlanta in the first the first week of the season. So it's been some time since we've seen, I think, some actual 
contribution from this group. Okay. I, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, even though I do, I'm slightly more positive on tight ends. I gave them a C minus uh, just because it was so bad last year. And I think we are seeing improvement. And of course, this is where I think expectations kind of come into play of how you're grading them. And I think for me, when it came to Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, uh, I thought there was reason to be concerned. Of course, we kind of hyped them ourselves up throughout the offseason, hearing what we heard coming out of training camp. Uh, but when you still look at the big picture, Jimmy Graham, he's seventh in the NFL uh, for catches of tight ends. The problem is not a lot of production with those. He's 17th in yards. Uh, but also, when we brought in Jimmy Graham, I didn't really expect him to be someone that was going to put up a high value of yards at this uh, this stage of his career. Uh, really, like you said, that red zone threat. And he's still like up there um, in the NFL with red zone touchdowns. Obviously, you're not going to get one every week. He's not going to have a 16-touchdown season. Um, but you do wish that you didn't have those games where it's completely off the map or anything of that regard. Uh, for Cole Komet, a positive. He's catching 75% of the balls thrown his way. The negative. He's only had eight balls thrown his way. Uh, his blocking, I'd say, out of the group has almost looked the best. Uh, better than Jimmy Graham at times, effort-wise. Uh, Demetrius Harris as well, uh, who's supposed to be our blocking specialist tight end. Uh, Cole Komet, he is third of rookie tight ends in targets. Uh, again, well, that's only eight, um, but he was the top drafted tight end. You think they can find a way to get that role evolved, and we're hearing about it. We're still just not seeing it. And then with uh, Demetrius Harris, which kind of hurts my grade, uh, my very first word next to him is ew. Uh, he's only catching <laughs> 50% of his targets. He is top 10 in drops at the position. Uh, he is 41st um, in targets, and quarterbacks only have a passer rating of 27.4 when they're throwing his way, which is the second worst in the NFL of all tight ends. Uh, I don't know if I can express how much he's struggling and holding back this offense other than that. And on top of it, like we said, his blocking hasn't been everything that they kind of talked it up to be. So for me, a C minus, Jimmy Graham, he's been kind of right where I I expected him to be. Cole Komet, it's not his fault, but in his chances, he's looking good. And Demetrius here is kind of, you, you wish you would have a, a better third tight end, but also it feels like a, a rich man's problem, and I think we have some bigger problems to look at as well. So that's me for tight end. Moving in for offensive line, Nick, did you give him an A-plus, an A, or an A-minus? Ooh, uh, you, you got me with the, the A-minus. I did not, Will. Um, we're, I, I'm pretty sure we both are thinking on, on the same lines here, like the D-minus F kind of grade? or what, No, it's what just an F, man. Of? There's no contention for the D-minus. At least for okay, me, good. it's straight F. Yeah. Yeah, no, same here. I have an F right there. I was just maybe being optimistic. <laughs> no. But I think given how this offensive line played throughout the first two weeks and what they were able to do, um, I guess it set expectations that maybe they can build off those first two weeks throughout the season. No, no. They, that was just the... That was their high point and most likely going to be the high point all year because ever since those first two weeks and starting with Atlanta in week, week three, it has just been down, downhill with guys just missing missing their blocks, not getting to second level, penalties, just not holding their block. Whatever can go wrong has gone wrong with this offensive line, and now you just add the injuries to it. It's not going to help this unit. So... I mean, that that has to be the grade, Will. And I think a lot of the problems and a lot of the grades are being affected because this offensive line can't perform. And I think that, like, to go even big, like, that's on the the Bears organization. The only thing that they really did to fix this, we're just going to add Jermaine Effetti, put him at right guard, 
and now you get a new offensive line coach. You didn't add any more personnel except for like drafting guys, but you didn't add any bigger name guys. So they felt good about this unit. Well, this unit hasn't performed. And even when they had all their starters, they weren't very good either. So it's a bad unit that I don't see is going to get better, especially this week. And we'll talk about that tomorrow, Will. And I want to go too in depth with that, but this is a bad unit, Will. And there's no easier way of saying that or just want to get plain straight to the point. Bad unit. I don't know how it gets better. Can we just say they suck? Usually we're a little bit more elegant than that, but I think <laughs> if the shoe fits or if you can turn on the vacuum, it, it sucks. And that's what the Bears' offensive line is so far. Uh, like you said, it started strong, downward spiral uh, ever since the first couple of weeks. Injuries are not helping things, but that's a part of the equation, and you have to grade what you see and what the status is. Leno Jr., Bobby Massey, they're as average as, as ever. Leno, he's allowed the fourth most pressures of offensive tackles. Bobby Massey is allowed the ninth most sacks. So you're getting pressure on each side regardless. Uh, when healthy, Cody Whitehair has allowed the third most pressures from center. And that's the thing. He still missed a game and a half with an injury, and he's still at the third most. Uh, so to kind of put that in perspective as well. And Jermaine Effetti, uh, the acquisition, he surrendered the 13th most pressures at guard. Rashad Coward, bad. Sam Mustafer, <laughs> actually slightly better than I thought he would be in his first start. Still not great by any means. And Jason Spriggs, too, fine. Now, I mean, we don't need to get too much in depth, but looking forward, uh, Jason Spriggs uh, with the, the COVID uh, diagnosis, right, the COVID list, and then Jermaine Effetti was like a, a close contact, so then he's iffy to even play this Sunday. Uh, that's alarming, uh, to say the least. And we'll talk more about the impacts of that tomorrow, but just in case someone is hearing you like what do they mean let's make sure they understand here listening to this episode uh the fact that we've mentioned nick more than five guys <laughs> it's not helping any matters <laughs> here um obviously the past pro numbers i just mentioned in terms of all the pressure surrendered not good you just talked about and i just talked about all the work that david montgomery is having to do after contact uh that that adds to the equation here and uh they just kind of fail in all regards uh and there's no other way to say it they just have failed in it goes back to the front office, Nick. You talked about it. didn't add anyone besides Jermaine Fetty. You drafted two guys in the seventh round. But when you and I were at the combine and we're talking to guys projected to go in the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth rounds, like that middle tier, there were a few linemen that, like, yeah, I've talked to the Bears. So obviously they're doing their homework. And we'll see in the long run if they were able to get a diamond in the rough or two in this draft. But they had chances uh, to get some other positions here. Uh, they did it. And I'm not, obviously, I would rather have a Darnell Mooney. Uh, that's a big positive as well, but it is uh, alarming that we're in this situation where upcoming this week, you're looking at what? Like a seventh rounder, a couple undrafted guys, a guy who's transitioned from D tackle to right tackle to right guard to left guard. I mean, it's not a good situation, and they put themselves in this situation. It's the it's the scenario in which they set themselves up for, and again, it may be one of the worst-case scenarios, but they didn't put too many uh, feel-safes in place to kind of avoid it if this did occur. So all of that and all the failing that we've already discussed, uh, easy F for the offensive line. So, Nick, let's look at the offense as a whole uh, for just a big general grade before we move over to defense. I gave them a D-plus. Uh, again, when the offensive line gets an F, um, it's hard for any other position to shine or at least do their job to a respectable degree. I get that. Uh, it's hurting the quarterback play, which then hurts the play of the receivers and the tight ends. Uh, the offensive line is also not helping the running back. So it really is uh, a trickle-down effect. And Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone 
anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Nick, you know the saying, you know, it runs downhill, and it's completely running downhill from this offensive line. So for me, overall in offense, through eight games, I'm going to give this unit um, a D plus. And we're not even talking about their inadequacy on third down, their inadequacy getting or succeeding in the red zone, or anything that's honestly more important. We're just looking at fundamental uh, production here, and we're not even getting that. Um, so it's it's not good, Nick. Uh, D plus maybe slightly generous, um, but that's where I'm going to go right now for this offense. How about you? Yeah, I'll go with a D, Will. Then you know to touch on those the red zone scoring. I mean, they're 30th in scoring touchdowns there, third down conversion percentage, 31st. So a lot of these statistical you know categories, you're going to see that the Bears are going to be in the bottom of those third in the third quarter. They're dead last in scoring, so they still haven't figured out why is it why it is that they they cannot come out of halftime doing anything productive on offense there's a lot a lot of things wrong with this offense and that's why they're struggling to score points and it's it's even amazing that they've won five games it really is given how bad this unit has been and a lot of luck has been on their side as well let's let's be completely honest but you can't take away the five wins that they do have that's that's theirs and we'll see how how long they can kind of hold on to having this record, right? So, yeah, a D, um, there's not many offenses that are worse than the Bears right now, and that's that's exactly where they should be. Bottom five, I could have easily probably gone D, D minus or maybe even an F if I really oh. wanted to. Like, But, yeah, I know. Uh, we already given out one F. I don't, I don't think we should give out another, but we'll see how the show goes. I mean, we're moving to defense. I don't think... We can see an F in our future, but you can prove me wrong here, Nick. Switching over to this side of the ball, starting up front with the defensive line, what's your grade uh, and why did you uh, rate them as such? Yeah, this one was a tricky one for me, mm-hmm. Will, because I think on every single postgame show we always we will we'll mention like, man, Bilal Nichols, you know, he didn't he didn't have the game that I would have liked him to. And then he has the game maybe against Carolina or maybe in spurts against Tampa Bay. But really, I think this defensive line outside of Akeem Hicks, I will say, has been pretty inconsistent or non-existent. And that's why you see the rushing numbers being what they are. And yes, I know Eddie Goldman is not here to anchor down the front. I, we, we know that. But this is going to be a C- minus for me. And that's that's including Akeem Hicks. Um, he really gets it to that C. But the other guys have not been consistent enough to make an impact where – well, the Bears right now, through eight weeks, have given up the most explosive runs. They're ranked dead last, number 32, with 38 explosive runs. That's a 17% uh, percentage at which they are giving up these explosive runs, which is unacceptable in terms of what this Bears defense has been in the past. And that goes to a lot what the front seven's doing, and more importantly, what that defensive line is not doing in terms of gap integrity. So Bilal Nichols, Roy Robertson-Harris, when you have John Jenkins in there. You know, a, a bright spot actually that contributes to C-plus is probably a Brent Urban, who I think has made some some plays here and there. But Akeem Hicks, Brent Urban, and then at times like a Bilal Nichols. But too inconsistent for me to give him anything higher. So C-plus for right now through the first eight weeks. 
Okay, I gave them a C plus, uh, more or less the same reasons as view. Uh, inconsistency, very much up and down, seeing strong play in spurts, but really haven't seen them been able to uh, either dial up the pressure like we have in years past, or like you said, be stronger in their run fits, gap integrity, and really just getting penetration into the backfield and making tackles for a loss. We really haven't seen it. Uh, to kind of put it into some terms here, in ter- uh, and when it gets to stopping the run, uh, they need to be better. Uh, Hicks is fourth on the team with run stops. Nichols is sixth. Urban is 11th. And Don Jenkins is 15th on that defense. When you look at 2018, Hicks was actually third. Eddie Goldman, yes, he's not here, but he was fifth. Nichols was 10th. And Roy Robertson Harris was 14th. And then when you look at some of the numbers, uh, each of the players from 2018, they're averaging well below their run stops per game compared to that year. Uh, in turn, Roquan Smith and Danny Gervathan, They've already well above their run stops from that year. They're on pace to break it, which tells me that this season it's the inside linebackers that are having to be asked to do more because the defensive line is not doing their job to the degree that we'd expect. They're getting pushed around. Running backs are reaching the second and even third level more than we've seen over the past couple of years. Now, I know as Bears fans, uh, as watching this defense that's been really good against the run, our standards are higher. That's probably why we're being a little bit more harsh, but I think, Nick, the stat you mentioned about the explosive run plays allowed is probably you know the most damning one of them all. So uh, we all miss Eddie Goldman, but we have to find a way to survive without him. Uh, they've done a very average job of doing so, and if so, they're going to get a very average grade for me right now, which is going to be a C+. Moving on to outside linebacker, Nick, I gave them a B. And that's crazy because I still feel like we're not getting the production that we are expecting out of this unit. But the fact that they are on pace, just the outside linebackers for 24 sacks from the entire positional group is interesting because it doesn't feel like it's that impactful this year. But to put that in perspective, that would be three more sacks than 2018 from outside linebackers and 10 more sacks from outside linebackers uh, in the rotation from a year ago. It doesn't feel like it for some reason, but they are there. So that's something. And that's only with one sack being accredited to Robert Quinn so far. So if we can find a way to get what we're expecting out of him, that may help. They're getting good pressure, though, uh, as well. Mack is fifth out of all edge rushers with 33. Um, But also, if you take that and you double it to 66, that would be Mack's lowest output in Chicago in terms of pressures on a quarterback so far. So what else do I like about this unit? James Vodders. And Mingo, they provided, I think, more of a pass rush than we thought. That helps my grade. I didn't expect uh, during our countdown to camp. What did I say, Nick? Mingo, he's a special teams guy. You're not going to really see him a part of this rotation. Uh, I don't know who the third one would have been. I was hoping for, you know, the rookie Gibson at the time. Uh, Maybe you get a guy like Vodders uh, as well in here. We didn't know if Isaiah Irving was going to make the cut as well. Um, But Vodders and Mingo providing that pass rush helps. Uh, They're on pace to combine for eight sacks this year. They don't get a lot of pressures on top of those sacks, but when they do get into the pocket, they find a way to make big plays, uh, which is the opposite of Robert Quinn, who does dial up a lot of pressure, but he's unable to really hit home. And hopefully he can do that because they paid him a lot of money. He's making a few splash plays, some plays that are leading to turnovers, but they're paying him to do those and also to take down quarterbacks more consistently than he has so far. So that's really about it. I mean, I can mention that they've also struggled with containing. We saw that against the Rams. Uh, Still, though, I think they've been solid. And so for that, I'll give it a B. How about you, Nick? What's your grade for this position and why? Yeah, I'm right there with you with a solid B. And a big 
reason for this, and we know Khalil Mack's going to do his thing. He always does, and he has been doing that. He also was tied for second in, or tied for six in tackles for loss with ten. So, and you mentioned the other stats, Will, but Barkevius Mingo and James Waters have been such a, I guess, a reassuring. Uh, a positive for for a backup unit that we've seen guys that have not produced there whatsoever, like an Isaiah Irving and and just guys that have not been able to be as consistent. Yes, you mentioned at times maybe they're not the best at the edge, but I would say they're 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 okay. They're not supposed to be the guys. Like just even last week against the Saints, Barkevius Mingo is tracking down Harris, um, the speedy wide receiver for the Saints, and making it forcing the ball to come inside, and because he's there and he's been. You know, able to at times apply pressure on the quarterback and James Vars as well. I think they split a sack at, at one point in the game. So we've seen some nice production out of backup outside linebackers, edge rushers that I wasn't expecting. So that's a plus. Now, really, this could be so much higher if we just saw more from Robert Quinn. And early on in the year, that he didn't have the snaps, but he's gradually gotten more snaps in games, and he just has to make the most out of those. I don't think he he has yet. And I, is there potential for him to do so? Absolutely. But we haven't seen it on the consistent level that I think we're expecting, especially given the contract and the money that he's earning mm-hmm. over, you know, what, the next three years. And especially since he's supposed to be the upgrade over Leonard Floyd. And we haven't seen that consistently enough. Like you mentioned, he's got he's had a few splash plays, which have been great. He's applied some pressure. He needs to finish. Like, these pressures are great and all, but if you can't bring quarterbacks to the ground – some quarterbacks can still get out of pressure and still make plays. That's why it's all about finishing the play, and that's why Robert Quinn is here. So I do have a solid B as well. This group, I think, has a potential to get better. I really do believe that, and it, like I said, it's been nice to see Barkevius Mingo, James Vodders do some nice things when Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn do need to get a breather because Robert Quinn's a guy that isn't in there for a majority of the game. He really isn't. So you need to have guys that at least you can count on. And I think so far this season, you can count on Mingo and Vodders to at least do their job. Yeah, I mean, Vodders as uh, the preseason standout from even a year ago, I'm excited to see that he's able to kind of bring it all the way. Because last year when he got some playing time late in the season, he looked a little bit out of a place. And I was like, oh, maybe he's just a, a training camp preseason kind of hero. But I think he's shown he can be a very vital part of rotation. And I think, Nick, you you may agree with me, you may not um, but I do think the back end of this rotation and Gibson, uh, you know, Travis, he hasn't really been active too much, but I still think he's someone that they, if, if they needed to tap into, could find all right production out of. And again, I know he's raw, but uh, he does have a lot of potential and I'm excited for his future. But I do think Mingo and on top of that, uh, Vaudard's probably the best backup duo we've had in Chicago. Uh, out besides our line, I mean, you're looking at Aaron Lynch and Sam Acho, uh, I guess in the past, and uh, Isaiah Irving and Kylie Fitz. I feel like they're just a little, they're a step above those players right now in terms of how they're producing, and hopefully they can get more out of Quinn to make the whole picture complete. And if that's the case, if they can just be a well-oiled machine, and Robert Quinn's getting pressure, and Kilomax coming from the opposite side, and you bring in Mingo and Vodders, and they don't skip too much of a beat, that's when this defense could probably get a little bit more dominant than it even has been so far this season, at least in terms of third down, getting in a red zone. They're bending. So maybe that'll help them bend less, and then they don't have to worry about the breaking uh, whenever it does happen. All right, Nick, let's go on to inside linebacker. You're up first for your grade. 
And this one, this one was another difficult one, Will, for me to kind of track down and see what would be the right grade because of how Danny Trevathan's play has fluctuated, being at the bottom of the bottom, the low of the low in the beginning of the season. But throughout these last, I would say, three or four games, he's been, I would, I would say, steady, pretty, pretty consistent in what he's been able to do and run fits and things like that. And Roquan as well, like we, we kept seeing – that whenever these linemen got up to the second level, it's like, man, here's another season where Roquan, you know, is getting beat. And it's still kind of happening, but I like what I've seen from them lately. And that's what I'm going to go off of. And I think that's where the trajectory for this group is actually going to be. That's called recency bias. That's exactly what it is. And I'm going to go off of that, Will. So I'm going to give this group another solid – see, you know what? We're actually – we'll go B- minus because I don't think they've been as consistent – um, as, as the outside linebackers, but really, I think this group is playing some good football as of late, and I don't want to make that the whole argument to to my take because you have to factor in the first you know four weeks of the season, and that's where I think it was a little inconsistent for the inside linebackers. But this group is starting to make plays. The Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan are starting to get into their run fits when the defensive line does their job, and seeing how Roquan Smith and Alvin Kamara last Sunday were battling that was great that was awesome to see that was fun to watch like those guys were going at it in terms of just coverage and Roquan Smith having to beat beat blocks and even Danny Trevathan having some run fits so I think B minus I think this is another group like the like the outside linebackers that can get better I do believe that they just need to obviously stay healthy because this is around probably a time where When's you're maybe thinking in the back of your mind, is Dan Trevathan going to make it throughout a season? He usually doesn't. So hopefully this is the part where we we see that health isn't an issue. We we don't want that to be a factor in. But I, I like what I've seen lately. So B minus for, for the inside linebackers and well now what are you kind of thinking about this group, Will? Well, I take away the recency bias. I'll look at the full A game picture. Uh, I'll give it a, a C to C plus. Uh, if I had to put one down right now, just to be a little bit different, I'll, I'll go C plus. <laughs> See, just a little bit. Uh, that's in the opposite end of the spectrum there. But uh, it really comes down just to the mixed results all across the board. Very inconsistent. We've seen games where you and I were praising Roquan, uh, strong against the run, solid in his coverage. And then we have just games where we're like, man, he was just – way out of position and he could not get downhill he could not shed a block this game and they found a way to you know get some traffic in front of him and he just could not navigate through it and then for Danny Trevathan I don't think I need to rehash what you said uh, it's very much the same everyone I think has the same assessment of just how poor he was in the early part of this year but he's kind of gotten uh, I, well, you, you had the word steady I had the word fine I think those both mean about the same thing um, in terms of total tackles, just looking at the NFL, Roquan's third in the NFL out of linebackers, Trevathan 13th. Uh, that's a great thing, but also if the uh, defensive line is playing to the degree we wish they did, uh, ideally those numbers would be down uh, just a little bit for both of those guys. Uh, what gets me excited, though, uh, Roquan's coverage so far, he is the most targeted linebacker in the NFL, um, but he's only allowing a pass rating of 73.9, which, again, he's seeing the... Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.
number one uh, volume of targets, that passer rating allowed is actually 50th of linebackers with at least half of his covered snaps. So that's pretty damn impressive. The only thing I wish, Nick, that we would see more of, and this is more on coaching, I wish we'd see him rush the passer just a, a little bit more. It's an element that both of them have. We're not seeing it for some reason, uh, and obviously – I think it could help this defense apply some pressure in some key situations where they just have been unable to. And I understand when you have Roquan, who is playing as well as is in coverage, you may not want to lose that. Um, but also, I think you got to gamble, roll the dice, and uh, take some chances. So for me, I'll give them a C plus. Um, but like you, the arrow is trending in the right direction. The needle is kind of going towards better days ahead for this unit, which would be uh, a great sign for things to come. Moving over to the cornerback position, I'm going to give them a, a B plus. Uh, I like them a lot so far. Kyle Fuller, uh, Jalen Johnson, uh, obviously they have uh, really strong grades in my book right now. They've allowed three total touchdowns this year combined. Fuller's pass rating allowed into only 64. Jalen Johnson, it's a respectable 95 uh, for a rookie. Combined, though, what I really, really gets me excited, only 53% of receptions allowed when targeted. That's really, really good. I uh, can't ask for too much more out of a tandem, except maybe some more turnovers. Uh, looking at Nickel Buster Screen, he's allowing 75% of his catches when targeted. Uh, he's struggling a little bit more than his counterparts, and even though he does allow a pass rating of 101, uh, that is the 29th highest in the NFL. And out of my third corner, I guess I would take that. Ideally, uh, you can have it lower. I think Bryce Callahan's like the second lowest, which when I saw that, I was like a little tear in my eye because like, oh, I wish. <laughs> um, but uh, still, 29th highest sounds like a lot. You have to think every team plays two to three corners, so you're looking at over 100, though. So it's still up there uh, in the top echelon, uh, however you would pronounce that word. It was in my mind, didn't come out of my mouth. Um, so still room to be improved, which drops the grade to the B plus, but if you're looking at the outside guys, I give them a solid A inside. You're looking at like a C C plus, which again, to me, averages out, uh, to a B plus another thing real quick, all three corners, uh, they're in the top 30 in the NFL and run stops. Uh, so it just shows they're not afraid to get dirty in that regard. And, uh, that's another thing that I can kind of hang my hat on, uh, when it comes to this unit. So for me overall, uh, B plus and, uh, again, not, by any means, a weakness for this defense. How about you, Nick? What's your grade? Yeah, well, I had to find a way to give out an A in this show. There's only <laughs> one opportunity. And I thought the corners were the most likely place to give an A. And I'll give them an A-. minus. I've liked what I've seen from this group. And Buster Screen's the guy that kind of brings it down. He really does. But like you said, I have your third, your Nickelback corner. Like, you'll take what he's been doing. Of course, like a guy like what um, Callahan's doing in Denver, you'll obviously take that. But I think he's been, you know, again, maybe steady is is the word. A little, probably less than that if we really wanted to get down to what the stats actually indicate. But Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller have been, they've been great to to say the least. Jalen Johnson as a rookie, um, not having a training camp and really just putting thrust into the starting job because a lot of guys got injured throughout the offseason. Kevin Tolliver, you know, obviously didn't even make it. Tal- or, um, Robinson got injured, but he, he won the starting job, and he's just run with it. And he's faced some good wide receivers. They've also had the fortune of not facing the top wide receivers sometimes of each team, but he's tied for fourth right now and passes defense as a rookie. And 
We know that Kyle Fuller's always going to get targeted, whether that's a good idea or not from opposing offenses, and he's going to be right there in coverage. So I think what I've seen from this group, it's definitely why this this defense has been as successful as it has been, just being that they're doing a good job not allowing the big play, even though explosive pass plays right now, they have given up 24. And in terms of yards, that's actually the fourth most. And that could be explosive pass plays, obviously, are not just from wide receivers. It could be what we saw from Alvin Kamara, like his 40-yard reception, mm-hmm. right? So things like that can can factor into those, those um, statistics. But that's this is the group that I can find and legitimately, like, hey, I can argue for an A-. And their, their play has been really good through the first eight weeks. But, look, the, the turnovers are not there for this team right now. So we need to see that really increase in terms of interceptions. And um, if they could do that, I think this is another group. See, what we have on the defense that we don't have in the offense, there's even rooms for improvement where we've actually said, like, this is a group that can improve. You look offensively, it's like that's their grade, and that's what it's probably they're going to finish with, which is sad to hear. But, yeah, I think this is just another group that I think you can expect maybe they can they can elevate that play if they can just get some more interceptions in, in that second. And secondary as a whole, we'll obviously talk about safeties in a little bit. Interesting perspective, right? Defense, good, could still be great. Offensively, bad. Yeah, who knows how it's going to shake There's out. No hope. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so for you, uh, Nick, so stick to the secondary. Let's go over to safety. Uh, obviously, you kind of argued pretty strong for the A- minus there, so I doubt uh, you're going that high. So with that, what's going to be your grade for uh, the guys in the back end? Yeah, for for Eddie Jackson to Sean Gibson, that, that's a veteran safety uh, group there, no doubt about it. But there hasn't been – there's been so much inconsistent play in terms of run fits. Um, just what I've seen throughout the entire season. Eddie Jackson does not have an interception on the season. He's he's had a couple taken away, right? But he and he does have the fumble recovery for for a touchdown. But I ended up giving this this group surprisingly a, a C plus, and I was gonna argue for a B minus. I just figured. Look, I know Sean Gibson's new. They didn't have the training camp that you would have liked to see, but he's still a veteran. He should be able to fit in perfectly. It's not that they've given up big plays. They just haven't been as as impactful, that as I would say. And um, given that there are two veterans back there, and it's Eddie Jackson. He, at one point in time, was the highest-paid safety. Um, you, you, I think just for me and my standards, I just expect more from a guy like that. He's almost been there but almost doesn't count in terms of the stat sheet and what it can ultimately do for a game. So I gave them a C-plus, Will. I think that – but still, I think this is a group that can improve. That um, I just – I did not like how they were run the, – the run fits, the downhill pursuit that they had early on. And there was a play last week against the Saints that I've seen Eddie Jackson do a couple times this season where he kind of just lets the play happen in front of him. Jared Cook stopped for an out route, and Eddie Jackson's like, oh, you have it. Oh, now I'll go get you. And he's already, by the time he goes, he gets the first down. It's like, I've seen that a couple times from him. And I don't know, that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. But C plus, and this is a group that I expect by the end of the season will maybe be on the borderline B plus, A minus. I really do believe that. They have the guys that can, are ball hawks. Uh, they do have that. There'll be more opportunities for them as the season goes on. Okay. I'm, I'm, I was borderline. I'll swing B minus here. Uh, they haven't been tested a whole lot this season. They've been, you know, offenses looking elsewhere, whether it be a linebacker to get Roquan Singh a lot, uh, Kyle Fuller, Jalen Johnson, 
Uh, they're kind of looking elsewhere, but uh, when they are being targeted, uh, they've been fine. Uh, Gibson, he's allowed three touchdowns this year, which is the most on the team. He has the two picks, which is great, but should have been more uh, if he's not batting them to the ground or dropping them as well. So missed opportunities uh, for this unit right now. Uh, again, Jackson's the ones that were called back. Maybe I add a little bit more weight towards them being a good play because I don't know if I agree with the calls. Uh, we can, of course, <laughs> agree to agree on those because <laughs> I'm sure we, we both could there. But, uh, of course, on top of that, he did, get the, he did get his one touchdown so far this year. Jackson did, and that's awesome. You talked about the run uh, fits and just the run defense in general from this unit being an area where they can improve. I would agree with you there. Um, and the only thing I didn't like that when I was kind of doing my homework on them and seeing where they stand so far this season uh, was the fact that they both allow over 81% of catches when targeted this season. Uh, in terms of reception percentage allowed, uh, they're fifth and sixth in the league uh, and the highest percentage allowed for completions. And obviously that needs to get cleaned up a little bit. Uh, so for me, I'm more along the lines of the same thinking. I'll just be slightly more positive with what I saw, which would be uh, the B minus. So, Nick, when we look at this defense overall, I give them a B. Uh, I think there's a lot uh, that we can still improve upon. And just like with the offense, we kind of looked at position specifics. I do think this helps the defense more, though, when we kind of look at them as a general unit, like a complete you know, some of its parts, because we're looking at defense line can be better in this regard. Linebackers can still get improvement, safeties, corners. We've talked about every position that can get better. But the one thing that they do well is not breaking. And I think all the issues that we talked about is when this defense bends. And this is when they're allowing all those yards, you know, in between the 20s. And then once teams get into the red zone, a whole different animal kind of comes out. It's a completely different defense they're not allowing offense to score as much as honestly offenses probably should be scoring against this defense and I think that is their saving grace right now and if they even start to trickle though Nick toward average in either the key situations of third down which are their top of the NFL or in the red zone which are up there as well I think it's going to put a lot more stress and weight on the issues that you and I discussed which may at the end of the season kind of put their grades not up but down, and that's the one thing that I, not that I'm concerned about, but I think we got to make sure we understand is if they do slip on third down and in the red zone more in the second half of the season, which are going to play uh, some good teams here still, and we'll talk about the schedule coming up, that could actually kind of sway our general emotions towards how they're playing so far. They're allowing the yards, not the points, and hopefully it stays the same way. But how about you, Nick? What's going to be your grade for the defense? Yeah, you know, I'll give them a B plus because when it comes down to the end of end of the day, like you can have all the yards, but if you're not scoring, which the Bears are doing a phenomenal job of, and you mentioned that offensive touchdowns per game, the Bears are number one, only allowing one point eight touchdowns per game through the first eight weeks, and that's something that if there's a statistic that they can keep the same throughout the entire year, that's the one that you want uh, because that's the most important because of the points that are going to be associated with with that, but. Yeah, a lot of those things are leading to those yards, and I still need to see more sacks right now. Sack percentage, number 19 in the league, only 5.848% uh, of times they're getting sacks or takeaways. They're currently 20th in the league, 9 total, 5 interceptions, 4 fumbles. So a lot of these areas they can improve, and if you maybe get better in stopping the run and stopping those explosive run plays, which the Bears are dead last in, 
maybe you're not going to be bending as much and you can get off the field a little sooner and recuperate some just some time to rest because you know the offense is going to do nothing and you're going to be right back out there again so there are things that the defense can do that it can take upon itself to get better and that's what's I think really hopeful and why this team is going to be when when we'll talk about like the rest of the schedule they're going to be in it for every single game I believe so yeah, B plus. They they're the reason the Bears have five wins. Let's be completely honest. They are really the reason why they're there. And if if the Bears were an average unit, this I this would be a whole different story. Let's be completely honest. So they're good. They're they can be elite. They can, and they've had times. They've definitely had. I wouldn't say games, but I've said, like they've had drives within games where they've been elite. They, but right now, I, I would say they're a good to great defense at times. They can definitely get to that elite level status uh, in the final eight weeks, though. There you go. I would say, in, depending on the point of the season, good to very, very good. Uh, great in terms of, yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to even explain, right? Because it's the points. <laughs> like the point, you can't argue against the points that they're not allowing. But everything in between is, again, we've seen a defense be elite over the last two seasons. Uh, it's hard to not want to hold them to that higher standard but we'll see how it all shakes out nick looking at special teams uh real quickly quick hit on special teams for their grade as a whole i'm gonna give them a b uh cairo santos he's only missed two field goals on the year both came before week four so i have some recency bias in place here uh <laughs> see uh, we all can be uh guilty about it nick um both of those came from a hefty distance his misses came from 46 and 50 uh since then he's been money he's hit his last 10 coming in clutch when we need him to. I don't really have any complaints about him one bit. Uh, Cordero Patterson as a kick returner. Uh, he does have four kick returns of 40-plus, which is tied for the league lead. And the Bears, though, where this is where it kind of moves my grade down, is their punting and their punt return. Uh, they're allowing the third most yards per punt return um, in terms of our coverage, uh, 12.41, and they're gaining the fourth least yards per punt return themselves. And we all know the the missed punt return opportunities or fair catch opportunities as well that you're never going to see in the stat sheet. Uh, but if you watch the games, uh, which I know you have, uh, you know what I'm talking about with Ted again Jr. and his disinterest of fielding punts and how detrimental that was to the Bears' starting field position and offense. So that, to me, punting on both sides of the ball is a pure F right now. Uh, hopefully they can kind of get straightened up. I know they made some adjustments on our uh, – punt return uh, we'll see if we can figure things out as a punt unit and coverage i know Shaq mcmanus he's been dealing with injuries uh but he is healthy and hopefully that will help so for me overall i'm going to give special teams a b uh with a big smile on my face uh with the kicking situation but how about you nick what's going to be your grade for the third phase yeah i also had it graded as a b finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the ergo smart base from tempur-pedic our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Cairo Santos is really the big reason why that this grade it is what it is, and yeah, it was about time that the Bears finally realized that they needed a new punt returner. I'm glad they made the decision for Dwayne Harris. But you look at just how, I guess, not impactful that part of the game was in terms of not getting any yardage from those punt 
those punts. I mean, that was a big reason why, look, the offense may not have done anything regardless. Realistically, they weren't. But it would have been nice to see, like, even five more yards uh, on a driver just with a little punt return. But that and then just seeing that Cordell Patterson, he has had those four uh run backs that have gone a good amount of distance but teams are now realizing let's just not even kick to him like it's not even worth it so his his impact is not as big because of what teams are now doing and that that look for lack of a better word that sucks because the bears need every um opportunity to just move a little bit closer to the opposing end zone as they can get and cordell patterson was a little cheat code to do that and teams are not willing to kind of kick to him anymore so it takes that element away but I think the bottom line out of all this, the Bears have a kicker. His name is Cairo Santos, and he has been pretty consistent. If not the past, what, four or five weeks, the most consistent player on this Bears team? And, like, I, yeah, I think that would be a, a good assessment for him. And that's a good thing. The Bears finally have a kicker. And let's, I'm excited to see what he can do the last eight weeks. I know he's he was interviewed, and he's like, I want to be here in Chicago for a lot, you know, not just the, the year contract that he has, but – for a good amount of time, and I think if he consi- if he does what he did in the first half, he'll get himself a contract, and hopefully the kicking situation can finally end. I don't know, because I was thinking about the timing of when he started the, the light switch kind of flipped on, and that was around the same time it was speculated Pinero could come back. And again, we're not getting really huge updates about his health, other than they are he's, he's not ready to be elevated or anything like that yet off of IR. So to me, that's interesting uh, that around the same time that week four mark is when he's kind of hit his stride. So I'd keep whatever you can to kind of make sure there's a little bit of fire, uh, you know, in his uh, in him because uh, I don't know competition does bring out the most the best in people, and I think we may be seeing that a little bit here uh, with Santos. But Nick, uh, we just have one more grade to give, um, and that's for coaching, and that's coaching in general, all the way, every aspect, every element you can want to throw in there. Uh, what grade did you give the Bears coaching and why? And again, you can take this any way you want. Yeah, this is another tough one. There's been a lot of tough grades to give. Right now, Will, and you have to factor this into coaching, I think, the Bears lead the league with the most penalties. Mm -hmm. 58. 18 pre-snap penalties. That's tied for the sixth most. That goes on coaching. Um, But seeing that the Bears are still 5-2, and And a lot of the coaching, I think, negatives go on the offensive side of Matt Nagy's play calling. Oh, this is a tough one. I have a C minus D for for coaching here. And I know, like, look, you can factor in the coaching that Pagano does, but I'm looking at I'm looking at Matt Nagy on this and seeing that this the the team's lucky that there hasn't been more of what we saw with like a Javon Wims incident or an Allen Robinson incident on the sidelines with the frustrations of this offense, like. Up to this point, they've been a well-tight-knit group, but you produce more of those offensive games where just things are going wrong. You're going to see a little bit more, I think, of players just kind of doing their own thing or kind of getting away from the team aspect. And I just, the penalties are unacceptable. Each and every week we see guys that are lined up in the wrong spot, guys that just don't know the play. And the details that Matt Nagy is always talking about, well, that's on coaching. Make the details not so hard that these guys are forgetting about where they need to line up or tell it in a different way because obviously they're not getting it. And this is year three now of this offense. Like, 
when is it when are the details going to be enough that you know your average maybe not your average joe will understand but the guys that are in the huddle will understand and get it right so it needs to be better you can't have the penalties you can't have the miscues on offense it's the offense that brings it down for me will so going with a final grade of a c minus for for coaching all right i'm giving it a d Uh, you mentioned penalties that's lack of discipline lack of focus uh lack of attention to detail and that's all on coaching uh players not lining up correctly uh that's on coaching i felt bad for my seventh graders when they couldn't line up correctly and i had 14 kids and i try to keep it simple as possible and i still feel like i failed them when we're in a game and i'm calling a simple formation and they didn't line up right so if that's for me and i feel like it has to be the same uh, for professional head coach or the professional coaching staff as well uh, Matt Nagy, we don't need to get into the the play calling and the coaching situational awareness in general. Uh, I think it's interesting that you know he benches one quarterback, brings in another, which again helped them win that game, brought a little bit of a spark. But now the quarterback that he brought in is performing about the same. They're actually having some spats that we haven't seen. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing just yet, but like the one that I was reading about this week about the wristband, like interesting, like those kind of things, like those show to me riffs or at least uh, a lack of a common direction that uh, they want to take this offense. Juan Castillo, I know offensive line injuries hurt, but uh, all the talk is how impactful he can be. And even when they were relatively healthy, it wasn't looking all too great, far too long. Chuck Pagano, he's lost a couple of those chess matches this year. The Rams game really sticks out. And again, I talked about it with inside linebackers. I just wish he was just a, a little bit more uh, aggressive. So the penalties, the lack of focus, the the play calling on both sides of the ball, and uh, all the talk that was Juan Castillo that, I mean, Nick, you really was, you know, really excited about what he can bring to the table here. And uh, not to say you're wrong yet, um, but, and there's a lot of factors here, but I don't think he's having the big positive impact up front, even if they were healthy, that we were really hoping he could, which could be a talent thing. We don't have GM here for a grade. Uh, we'll save that for the off season. Um, but for me, I'm going to give it a, a, a solid D here, and we'll see if it can get better. I think this is another co- potential red flag for this season as we kind of move forward. But that's it for our grades. I have some just general questions to kind of end the show with some uh, predictions along the way. And then I also want to look at the schedule and uh, talk about what kind of outcome we can potentially see uh, as this year wears on we don't need to take an egregious amount of time at any of these talking points nick but before we get into any predictions my just big general question would be if you had to just choose one area of this team that you want to see improve for the remaining game eight games what would it be and why because we talked about a lot of issues but if you had to prioritize one over the rest what would it be i would say i obviously offensive line plays the big one but just how the bears are going about executing maybe some of the plays with the offensive line with with this week it's gonna you have to simplify things so I think that would be the area that I want to see Matt Nagy this whole entire Bears coaching staff Clancy Barone the tight ends coach who works with the rush rushing uh game and also obviously Juan Castillo but just how they're maybe teaching or executing certain run plays or just the run game in general because I think if you improve that that can make a lot of these deficiencies on the offense not seem as glaring because if you can get a consistent run game, we talked about what David Montgomery's doing without an offensive line, without much help from it. You can get him going a little bit more for the final eight games. Maybe that doesn't put as much stress on Nick Foles or 
you know, maybe if Nick or Mitch Trubisky has to come in, if he's healthy later in the season, if there's an injury there. But I think if you can fix, you know, some of those things on that offensive line, and this also goes to the pass blocking as well, simplifying things. That's what I want him to really do, simplify some things. Then I think we can get more, we can get out of the bottom five of, of, of being a bottom five offense and, and, and just all the statistical categories there but that would be the one area i need to see matt Nagy just he was brought here because he was supposed to be creative and just intuitive of what he can do and make the thing make this offense work with what you got i know it's not a lot especially up front with the five guys but this will really test if he is a good coach if he could somehow make it work with this offensive line and get enough i'm not saying be a, a top 15 average no just do enough on offense then we could see like who he really is as a coach and we could see this this team maybe go more in the positive direction that it was um what the what the record indicates five wins but actually have some confidence going forward not not saying it's going to be significant but fix the run game or fix some aspect of it because if you do that i think like i said a lot of the other things are not as apparent and you could still win games that way so fix the run game well Easier said than done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't have any rebuttal uh, whatsoever. I think that it's easy to just look at the offense line and use them as the scapegoat here. I mean, that's what they did last year, uh, you know, with, uh, with, the, with the offensive coaching staff uh, and doing that. So I'm going to just say offensive line. and I'm going to just say it pretty much echoes what you said, just about finding a way to get the most out of them. Uh, I don't know if it's moving guys around, uh, making tough decisions of uh, maybe you do put a Spriggs in for a tackle. I, I know Bobby Massey's out for a bit, but maybe when Massey's healthy and Spriggs is playing fine, you have to make the tough call and saying, sorry, Bobby, but you don't have a job right now. You're now the backup. Uh, maybe if uh, you know uh, Arlington Hambright uh, or you know, uh, Simmons as well, if they have to be thrust in playing time, Maybe they actually look okay, and you have to make that decision. Or maybe you try an Alex Bars, and you find out he's not as bad as you. you apparently, you must think. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if it's reordering, reshuffling, just general getting guys healthy, and hopefully they don't get hurt again. Or, again, making things simple up front, too, and just doing something that works until a defense forces you to try something else and keep that simple as well. But it has to be. If the offensive line doesn't get fixed or at least fine, there's no hope for the running game to get improved. There's no hope for the passing game to get much better. Uh, and again, that can be on coaching a little bit. It's going to have to be really out of these players to uh, really buckle down and just play a better degree of football. I don't think, again, they're all in the NFL. The The margin between bad and fine, it's close in the NFL. And they need to find a way to be better. I mean, I, we see teams all over play guys who's never played football ever it feels like hey you know we just picked up this guy out of the stands and he's playing offensive line look he's doing great like I feel like I see that almost every week except here in Chicago so for me uh, offensive line if I had to choose the second one I know he said one uh, coaching and discipline uh, all those yards the hidden yards from penalties Nick uh, they're just killers for the offense backbreakers for the defense and if they can just find a way to play more disciplined football, uh, which they were one of the least penalized teams over the last couple of years, uh, that would help us a lot as well. All right, moving into predictions. Uh, We had a question that kind of got blown out of proportion, not out of proportion, but kind of got blown out of the water. Uh, The question that we had for our notes was going to be discussing, will we see Michigan? And I guess we can talk about that, but with the news with his shoulder injury, 
Maybe the question that makes more sense is, will we see another quarterback under center for the Bears this year? I think yes, uh, not due to just ripping Nick Foles off and benching him, um, but he's getting hit a lot, beaten around. We just talked about the offensive line. Not going to get into it again. I just feel like it's a season where you don't see number nine play the next eight games uh, unscathed uh, will be the way I frame it. But how about you, Nick? Do you expect to see another QB this year and why? Yeah, if, uh, if anything, it might be Tyler Bray, and he's been on this team for a long time. And remember all the people asking for the Tyler Bray show to happen when he was killing it in preseason, whatever year that was. You might get a chance to see that this season, given how this offensive line is playing, like you were saying, Will. And look, Nick Foles has taken a lot of shots this season. He's not the most durable. It, it takes one wrong fall or one guy to just land on you wrong wherever, and especially on that shoulder that we could be seeing Tyler Bray, and I don't even know what number he is now. He was number nine, but Nick Foles obviously has that now. So that that could be definitely a realistic um, scenario. And especially we don't know the severity of Mitch Trubisky's injury and how how long it's going to keep him out for. But it is isn't. And, and I just want to say it's so unfortunate that that happened. One play, a run, three yards, and you know hurts his, his throwing shoulder, his right shoulder, which it's just not... It's just unfortunate, like like I said. But, yeah, I think we do see somebody at some point, and I really hope I'm wrong because I don't think I'm ready to s- prepare a game show knowing that Tyler Bray, of all guys, is going to be the Bears quarterback. Oh, gosh, yeah. No, that's a, that's a tough situation that I don't want to envision myself in. Uh, I'm actually going to throw a bonus question our way before we get into some more fun predictions. Uh, it comes from NT Bro here in the YouTube chat. Um, he just kind of said something, and I'm going to phrase it as a question. Because the trade deadline did pass, and I think it is worth noting that the Bears didn't make a move. Uh, he's saying uh, in his comment that he believes that that means that the Bears don't have much faith in this team to make a move this season, and they don't expect to be contenders. Would you agree with that, or do you think that they're purely they are content, or they didn't think there was a move out there that was warranted, uh, jeopardizing you know whether it be draft capital in the future, uh, letting go of a player in the roster currently? Uh, I can see it both ways. Um, but I think the biggest damning uh, possibility here would be that they do believe in their guys that are here. Uh, and I think offensively, that's a huge problem, uh, in particular with the offensive line, because there's no way you should be comfortable with who you got. And uh, on top of that, uh, I think there's just room for improvement on that side of the ball across the board. But how about you? Uh, what? Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Do you take of the Bears not making a move? I wasn't expecting one. They usually don't make these kind of moves, but... Is that more of comfortability with what you have and believing in it for this year or maybe the opposite? I think it's a, a little bit of everything. Well, I mean, a lot of teams, There wasn't this wasn't a big um, trade deadline for a lot of teams. And, you know, it, I guess it's expected. Like, like you, I was not expecting to see anybody new come to Chicago. Um, that's just how things are run. And to be completely honest, I just didn't know really who was available. And it I think anybody could be available for the right price, right? But I just don't think that 
the Bears were willing to do things like that. Um, like like Matt Nagy said, we and Ryan Pace have said multiple, multiple times they really like the guys that they have here and they believe that they can win with them. And Well, we're about to see, Matt Nagy. You are going to be tested like no other with this offensive line. With He doesn't even know who's starting this week. But I guess to answer your question, I, um, yeah, to, I just think that the Bears like, they think they like who they got. But we'll we'll see we'll see if they're right uh, with these last eight games. They could have made a move. Don't know exactly who or or what or what it would have cost. But this offensive line needed improvements, and obviously the trade deadline has passed. They did they sat and watched and did nothing. So we'll see how that impacts them moving forward. All right, it's curious your take. That was actually you know it's interesting because we usually most seasons at least past few it's like you know trade line come and goes. And like yeah we're fine. I mean. We're contending, no big deal. Last season, maybe not as much, but 2018 for sure. And want to make sure we at least spoke about it since it did just pass. All right, so are you ready for a really fun, complicated question here uh, as we kind of do some predictions? Let's do it. All right, so who's gonna have the who's gonna have more touchdowns in the final eight games? I'm gonna give you two players: uh, Jimmy Graham or David Montgomery. Uh, in the first half, Monty only had two. Jimmy Graham had four, uh, but the final eight games. Who will have more touchdowns in just the second half? That's a good question, Will. I think at some point the Bears are going to give David Montgomery, not that he hasn't already gotten a good workload, but and they, they haven't gotten many rushing touchdowns, but I just have a feeling seeing that the trend that David Montgomery had a pretty good game against the Saints uh, last week, and Jimmy Graham has been, I would say, going downwards in terms of production, especially in the end zone. I'll give it to David Montgomery. He's going to have more touchdowns than Jimmy Graham for the final eight weeks. Okay. Uh, I'm actually in the opposite. What are you thinking? Yeah, I went opposite here. Uh, I think Jimmy Graham. I think it's just it's easier to give Jimmy Graham scoring opportunities right now than David Montgomery because even if you're three yards away from the goal line, I think you trust throwing it to number 80 more than you do handing it off to 32, not due to David Montgomery, but due to the offensive line in front. Um, and I just don't expect the Bears to have, unfortunately, at least until they prove us otherwise, uh, a lot of good opportunities where they could just run the ball into the end zone, uh, getting in there deep into own territories or thing of that nature. So for me, I'm going to give it to Jimmy Graham. I think it's just easier uh, to do so. And uh, I think the Bears do need any easier opportunities they can present themselves. And uh, you have to go with your red zone threat right now in Graham. Uh, speaking of David Montgomery, uh, I think this is an easy one, but I, I just wanted to throw it out here. Will he top his rookie total of 1,074 total yards? Uh, he's currently at 642, which would put him on pace for 1,284. Yeah, I just did quick math. Yeah, that was good uh, Good quick math there. But, yeah, I think he does eclipse it, but it's not going to be by much. And like, this is not on David Montgomery when I think anything really negative that comes out of my mouth on him and maybe a little bias there, but – it's more so what is this offensive line going to do to really help him? And I just don't know. He has to work so hard for every single yard that he gets. But seeing what he's done so far and seeing that there's still eight games uh, left in the season, they don't play as tough of those run defenses that they did within the first eight weeks. You have Indianapolis and Tampa Bay and teams like that. But I think there's going to be some opportunities in these final couple games where David Montgomery – He'll have to do most of the work, but he can get some yards. So I say, yes, he will eclipse his rookie total. Okay. I think yes. Um, you said it'll be close. I think it may be, I don't know how close you're thinking. You didn't throw out a number, but I think it's going to be 
more difficult, uh, depending on how this offensive line shakes out uh, with all their shuffling and some injuries. But I do think there's a chance you start seeing another running back get thrown in here, uh, whether it be a Pierce or a guy that I keep forgetting is even on this roster, or at least on this practice squad, Lamar Miller. And I think there is a chance that you start getting someone else that is a pure running back that could eat into uh, the limited carries that he already tends to get. Again, uh, Patterson's not cutting it as a pure number two back. At least the Bears can't really sell that to me right now. Uh, So for me, if that does happen, uh, that could also take away a couple of his snaps. And if that's the case, I think it just kind of doubles down the problem. Offensive line, less opportunities. He may not get there, uh, but we'll see. I think he does. I think he'll just be close uh, just due to those reasons. Uh, sticking with the offense, uh, who's going to have uh, more touchdowns in the final eight games between uh, your wide receiver trio of Darnell Mooney, Anthony Miller, or Allen Robinson? Currently in the first eight games, A-Rob has three. Mooney and Miller each had two. I think, I mean, it, you can't go wrong with saying Allen Robinson because he's the most targeted guy on this team and he he gets open on anybody well like it doesn't matter who the corner is he's usually going to get open and yes Darnell Mooney has been seeing an uptick in just uh, the targets and Anthony Miller maybe this is going to be the next three game spurt where he does something and he'll get his his touchdown or, or two in that spurt but if I'm gonna have to go with someone where consistency is the name of the game it's going to be Allen Robinson, and it's, he's like just seeing some of the catches he was making, even that touchdown grab last week, the hands that he has, like that ball didn't move at all, and it hit the ground, and that's a tough catch for any wide receiver. For him, I think it's almost routine. Like He has to make those catches because he doesn't know when the next opportunity where it's going to actually be a decent ball from his quarterback is going to come. So I'll go with the safe answer, and I'll go with Allen Robinson on this one. I'm going to go a little bit more risque here, uh, and I'm going to go with Anthony Miller just because if you're down there closer uh, in the red zone or just outside of it, you know all attention's on A-Rob. Yep. Attention's shifting now to Darnell Mooney. And the, the issue I have with Mooney right now, it's not even about him, uh, and I think it's just that he's a receiver. He's a rookie, and he's still figuring out how to g- uh, gain separation at the right time, and he's only catching around 50%, 55% of the balls turned his way. So it's a lot of targets, and he's getting a decent amount of production, but he's not getting that consistency that I would like to see out of him just yet. Uh, so for that reason, I remember Anthony Miller, his rookie year, not a lot of yardage, not a ton of catches, but he caught a lot of touchdowns. So maybe he can find that groove here. And I don't think we hit that three, four game uh, Anthony Miller stretch that we've been waiting for all season. So if he hits it, uh, that should help us out here, uh, at least help me out and not you so much, Nick. Uh, let's switch over to the defense, though. Uh, over under uh, four sacks for Robert Quinn in the final eight games. Man, I hope it's over. I really do hope it's over. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll give it to him. I'll give it to Robert <laughs> wow. Quinn being on the over. Um, I'll go four and a half, so it's not by a lot. And I think we need to see that well given what he's being paid. And we we talked about this is a group that we thought, yes, they can't, they're playing – they're playing some good football, but they can get better. And it really is. It was on Robert Quinn getting better. Um, there's going to like a lot of these teams and like every 31 other teams are going to double triple team Cleo Mack, however they need to do it. So there's going to be those one-on-one opportunities and we haven't seen it as consistent as we'd like to have seen with Robert Quinn. But I do think there are some potential just looking at the schedule 
for Robert Quinn to maybe take advantage of some of the offensive lines he's going to see. So I will give it to him four and a half. So he barely beats um, what the marker there was. But what are you kind of thinking? I gave him the under. Um, It's just because I haven't seen it. Um, And I feel like if I felt like, yeah, he'll do it. I, I don't know what I can base it off of. Again, he's having pressures. I just haven't seen him really get in there uh, hit home and give me a lot of confidence they can do it consistently i mean looking at the schedule does it help yes is it enough for me to sway in my opinion not right now i would love for me to say you know what i have him at three uh, so i do have him under at three if he can get you know four and just break even i mean he exceeds my expectations and i'm happy um so to me i'm gonna set the bar lower uh probably just more for my own personal sake because uh, I don't want to get myself too soured out on Robert Quinn too soon, um, but I would say time is of the essence if he wants to start uh, putting a positive impact uh, in his early part of a, a big contract uh, that he signed here in uh, Chicago. Is there any other predictions that you would like to do on defense? I, I kind of uh, ran out of time in my preps and figured maybe you have one or two up your sleeve. Yeah, over under two interceptions for Eddie Jackson through the last eight games of the season. Like you talked about it, well, they're not being really tested all too often, these safeties. And when they are, they are opposing offenses are getting some completions. But Eddie Jackson, a ball hawk, a guy that was, you know, renowned as the best safety in the league, doesn't have one yet. Does he, over two interceptions the last eight games, what are you thinking? Can I give a push? I feel like two is about where it's going to be. If I had to choose between the over-under, I'll say over yeah. because it's Eddie Jackson, and I like to give him the benefit of the doubt here. I mean, you're looking at Kirk Cousins, who I feel like will give you some chances. You're looking at uh, Detroit again, where I feel like Jackson always plays to a higher degree. And then you have uh, Houston, which you can get some interceptions over there. Jacksonville as well. You're getting some opportunities. and. Stick it to Rodgers. I don't care. <laughs> so take one there. So for me, I'll go over. I'll be positive here. Uh, I feel like I haven't been too much in this show. So I'll take the over. How about you? Yeah, I'm also going over, to be completely honest. Like, he, at some point, he's going to get tested. And he has been in the right area. I will definitely, like, there's been opportunities where we've said, man, Eddie Jackson, he usually makes that play. That even happened, uh, was it last year or two weeks ago? Um against the the Rams where there was there was an opportunity there but I think that at some point he's going to get his interceptions um but like like you said maybe it's just going to be one over so three and I would love to see a pick six from him because he's definitely capable of it and they've taken away a couple but he's that type of player and it's only a matter of time before the right quarterback or just a dumb quarterback just tests him one too many times and you know Kirk Cousins is one of those guys that you never know. So I, I do like the, the matchups with with the Vikings and even like a Deshaun Watson with the Texans. You, you I, I do like what Ajax can possibly do there. So I will go over the two um, on that one. And then just one that I'm kind of thinking on the fly here with these cornerbacks, um, Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson, collectively as a group with the last eight games, can they get more than six interceptions combined? Can they? Talent-wise, yes. Will they? I'm going to say no. I'll set the. I'll go under. I'll say, unfortunately, probably at round four. Uh, I just haven't seen them making the breaks uh, on the ball. Jalen Johnson's really good at being a position, and he, whenever he's making a break in the ball, it's a contested catch for him, uh, and he's not coming down with those right now. He's not 
and maybe they're not throwing it in the right, you know, and those kind of breaking routes yet. They're kind of just testing him deep, and he's having to do these jump ball situations. But I would love to see him uh, get in there. He did do a good job of jumping a slant, getting a hand in, allowing for a safety to get an interception. Just one or two steps quicker to really jump that route and take it. Uh, that's what I would hope to see. But between those two, I think I would be happy with four, ecstatic with six plus. Um, but I think I'd be content if we can find a way to get four between the both of them for the rest of this season. Uh, that'd be uh, one every other game. Um, but how about you, Nick? Are you going to take the over or under? Man, I re- I'm leaning towards the over because I know that Kyle Fuller himself can... I mean, look, it's eight games and he would have to be on an absolute tear. But this is a group they, they've they been pretty sticky. Like going back to a John Fox term, uh, just in terms of coverage with, with guys and Again, you you look at Kirk Cousins, man. He's he's enticing to give you some catchable or contested catches with his receivers. Um, you have the Lions, like you said. The Jaguars are on the roster, like on the schedule, and I don't even know who's playing quarterback for them anymore. So we'll see when it comes to the last second, the last game of the season. I'll go over. I'll go with seven for for the group of Jalen Johnson and Kyle Fuller. I'm being optimistic, and I think they they have the potential for sure. Um, if you, as long as you keep testing Kyle Fuller, like every single quarterback, every single team is done. I think he'll, he's due. And Jalen Johnson almost had one in his first game that he played in Detroit. He he's usually around the football. Last week against the Saints, I don't know what was going on there with those those posts in the middle of the field. They'll clean that up, but they're usually around the receivers. It's gonna go their way eventually. So I'll go over with seven. Okay, uh, let's look at the rest of the schedule here real quick. We have, uh, of course, our next show will be the preview show for uh, Tennessee at five and two, Minnesota addressing at two and five, another five and two team in Green Bay, uh, Detroit for the second time at three and four, uh, then Houston at currently at one and six, Minnesota again another one and six, AFC South team in Jacksonville, wrapping up the season against Green Bay. Now, Nick, I don't think we need to put a specific schedule prediction here um, because that's what we do every each and every week. Uh, we predict the games as the season goes on. So instead, I thought about just quickly, uh, we are running a little long here, best case and worst case scenarios of how you see uh, this season playing out. So we'll start with their best case. What do you think their best case record could be in the final eight? Best case scenario, I could see them winning two, three, four. Man, they could win six out of their eight games. I could see like best case scenario. I mean, I mean, obviously they could win eight out of eight. That would right. be the best case. But realistically, just looking at um, the schedule without giving too much um, analysis as to who, I can see them winning six games. Like they, they're going to be right there in, in six of these last eight games, and that would be uh, eleven wins on the season. Will and given all the, the things going wrong with this season, you will take that, no doubt. But that's best-case scenario. What are you kind of thinking for the best case with this, this Bears team? Well, you hit it, Nick. Best case, they can win all eight. Uh, that's with every team. Uh, for me, realistically, uh, just knowing uh, offensive line issues and offensive issues and uh, throwing everything into the into the equation real quickly, probably five and three. Uh, so you're sitting at a 10 and six, which should be enough to get you into the playoffs this year, no doubt. Um, but yeah, for me, I'll say five and three. Uh, I would say you have losses too. If you choose the three, I mean, I guess we don't have to, but if I was just looking at it, maybe this week, uh, Minnesota, one of them, because I think they proved against green Bay. If they want to play, they can. Um, and then you probably split against green Bay. So those would be, uh, the three, although who, who knows, 
Uh, again, that's best case though. Um, so for me, five and three is best case. You went six and two best case. So is your worst case two and six, or is it a little bit better than that? Is it zero oh and eight? What are you thinking? <laughs> they really? Uh, no, they won't go. They could go one and seven worst case. Like the Jaguars, I don't know. I don't care what's happening there. I think the Bears can beat the Jack. I think. Yes, they should be able to. But, yeah, no, it can easily go the opposite end of the spectrum with 2-6. and six. Like, this Sunday, the Titans is not going to be an easy game for them. Both games against the Packers, I, I really don't um, like those matchups. And just seeing how the Vikings dominated the Packers running the football, the one thing this Bears mm. defense <laughs> cannot do is stop the run. Like, But the Bears have been historic or good at stopping Dalvin Cook. They have. They just find a way to stop Dalvin Cook. But... Yeah, easily this could be a two and six football. It could be a long. Imagine that, Will. Five wins the first eight weeks, and they only win two more the last eight. Like this would be a this would be a dark, dark podcast <laughs> these last eight <laughs> weeks, and we just get two wins for the rest of the season. That would not be fun. Remember how dark it got last year? Yeah, it, that, will, it will get worse. I, I don't want to go back to that. No, it was <laughs> some really, really rough go live clickings of buttons after some games. I mean, we've had some dark times, Nick. We've been doing this podcast for quite a while, but uh, that would be a disastrous meltdown to have to cover, to discuss, and I don't want any part of that. Uh, so maybe, you know, you're you're pretty high, I say, in 6-2. and two. I'd say you're a little low on the 2-6. and six. I'm somewhere in that middle ground today. Uh, my best case was 5-3. and three. I give my worst case 3-5. and five. Uh, So, again, that's not good enough, and that's going to be another – real rough second half of the season but best case five and three worst case three and five so realistically nick we're going to be looking at a four and four split here and we'll uh have a real interesting uh back and forth throughout it but what i know about this bears team they'll be in they'll be in each and every game uh it'll be the question of how much offensive output could they get uh, and how much can the defense keep them in games uh and i think looking at this schedule uh, Tennessee worries me with Derrick Henry. Uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, Minnesota, Dalvin Cook. Uh, and then on top of that, I feel like Detroit, how close it was the first time, I don't think our offense has gotten any better uh, since that first week. Uh, defensively, maybe, uh, which may be our saving grace there. But, yeah, uh, for me, be- uh, best case, 5-3, and three, worst case, 3-5. and five. And I don't know. I'm excited to kind of play it week by week. And uh, I know right now I'm one game behind you um, in, the, in the standings. I took a shot last week and had the bears uh beating the saints and i was almost there almost had one on you and that's when i'll uh with my head held high nick i'll take that loss uh against you and we'll see how it kind of plays out for the rest of the season which means i do have to take more chances by the way because now i have to recoup a game's at least high uh for that's that's always fun but anything else uh we talked about every position uh almost every player uh and honestly just kind of looked forward for a little bit but i think 94 minutes of uh, mid-season reporting uh, should do it for us. Yeah, no, I think, um, again, we highlighted the concerns mostly on the offense, but there's still optimism that this defense can get better than what it has played through the first eight weeks, and we'll just see how that plays out. And first test is going to be Sunday against the Titans, which will be a good one, and we'll break that down tomorrow, Will, to get everybody ready for that matchup. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited for that show. I want to thank everyone here uh, for watching uh, live. I know there's a lot more pressing uh, newsworthy items out there in uh, in the world right now, but 
I want to thank everyone for watching live, everyone watching the replay, or of course, if you're around the globe listening to our podcast, just know uh, uh, we appreciate you uh, equally as much. Uh, make sure to rate, review our show on Apple Podcasts. That helps get the word out for us, spreads us uh, further out into the uh, uh, ecosystems that is uh, that our podcast directory is getting us in front of more Bears fans just like yourself. Uh, up next, we'll be back with our game week prep. We'll be previewing Bears, Titans, going into all the matchups, key talking points, a little bit more in depth. We kind of uh, gave away some uh, preludes here uh, throughout this show, but going into those a little bit more in depth and, of course, uh, giving our predictions of how we think this thing will shake out on Sunday. But until then... Enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll talk to you soon. And oh, yeah, and bear down, Chicago. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill requests to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it.